Let's return to our series in Genesis by going to Genesis chapter 12. We are making our way through Genesis on Sunday mornings. Last week we considered the promise that God made to Abram in verses 2 and 3 as God calls Abram to come apart from his country to leave his kindred and his father's house to go into a land that God says, I will show you. God made some great promises here. He promised to make Abram a great nation, which was a remarkable promise because Abram and Sarai had no children and time was ticking away. But God said, I will. God promised to bless Abram, which I believe encapsulates all blessings not only giving them a son, but temporal blessings in this life, spiritual blessings we enjoy in Christ, and of course, the eternal blessings that are waiting for us. God promised to make Abram's name great, and that has obviously happened. God is later going to change Abram's name to Abraham, and Abraham will become one of the greatest names in human history. But remember that Abram's name is great because he walked with a great God. God told Abram also, and thou shalt be a blessing. This is going to happen. And we considered how Abram was blessed to be a blessing. And we've been blessed to be a blessing. God then said to Abram, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And you would really need to listen to last week's message to get all of that. But in short, it has everything to do with Abram's God and Abram's message of, from God of justification through faith. How do we know that? Because of the last phrase in verse 3 where God tells Abram, And in thee all families of the earth shall be blessed, or will be blessed, or however it's worded there. I'm going off memory, that's bad. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Galatians 3.8, remember it says, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. That's an amazing thought that he received the gospel just like we did. Amen. Because that would help some people in their theology. You see, this is all about Christ. And so what we are being told early on here in Genesis 12 is that the promised seed of God is going to arrive through the line of Abram. And in that way, Abram shall be a blessing. Why? Because Christ would come. And that's the blessing that he'll ultimately be. And I concluded last week by highlighting How these are wonderful promises from God, and yet Abram never saw himself become a great nation. He didn't see all of these promises come to pass. He never saw his name become great. He never saw all the families in the earth blessed through him in his lifetime. Remember Hebrews 11.13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so the emphasis was, we follow God and we serve God because He's worthy. 
not for some benefit, although those are great, but that should not be our primary thing. We remain faithful to our faithful God, not because we hope to see something great come to pass in our lifetime, and, and we just do it because He deserves it. And He can do with our life as He sees fit. And we'll just let Him sort out all the timing and how He wants to work out His promises and all the rest. I entitled last week, God Will Stay Faithful. Amen. Now, some of you may be wondering, what direction am I going to take this morning? Since I mentioned last week that there's a phrase in this that I believe has been taken out of context. And I said if there's enough interest, then we would visit that today. Well, there is some interest, but I've decided I'm not going to do it on a Sunday morning. So if you'll be back tonight, I will address it then. All right. Don't say amen yet. Uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. All right. For this morning, we're just going to continue along. We'll come back tonight, do an addendum to last week's message. For this morning, Genesis 12, let's read verses 4 through 9. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sichem, or you'll see it as Shechem in some places, unto the plain of Mori. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. So we see at the beginning of verse 4 that Abram departed. The Lord had spoken unto him, and now he is being obedient to go. But he's not wholeheartedly obeying the Lord's commandment yet. I've mentioned two weeks ago how God first told Abram to leave everything while he was still in Ur of the Chaldees, which is clearly stated in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. But Abram leaves Ur with his father and with Lot, and he stops and he dwells in Haran along the way. And that was a considerable delay. Most likely this was years that they were in Haran. And then we see in verse 4 that when he does leave Haran, this was after his father had passed, he still brings Lot along with him. So while there is obedience, it is still only partial obedience. But still, we need to recognize Abram's faith in being obedient to go, to move at an age when it would be far more convenient to stay planted where you're at. I don't know many 75-year-olds that pick up everything and move across the country. I guess today it's a lot easier, but imagine back then. 
And so he is, he is going, and, and we need to recognize that. And he submits to God in that way. Hebrews 11.8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an, inherent, an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. And I think we can learn from his experience that it's okay to show some amount of grace to those who are beginning their walk with God. We never get the sense that God is frustrated with Abraham through this process. And we would do well to learn some patience with others as they grow in their walk with God. We don't have to try to beat people into submission. The beatings will continue until morale improves. We are not a military outfit. I've been under those regimes and it is no fun. But we can trust God's ability to work out His purposes in their life. Now, to be clear, this isn't to suggest that we aren't to encourage, that we aren't to disciple, but we can get a concern on record Hear me, hear me well. We can get a concern on record and then let the Holy Spirit work in their life. So Abram, he departs out of Haran at the age of 75. Why did God wait till Abram is older? Why didn't God call Abram out when he was younger and he still possessed the strength of his youth? Well, God will often call people when they're weak. He calls people in their weakness because that's when God can use us the most. And that's when God can get all the glory. In fact, God delights in calling people who are weak. If God called us in our strength, we can start to depend on our abilities. But once we are weak, we know we must depend upon God. And so if you're finding yourself in a position of weakness today, God can use you. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. And then we do well to remember God's words to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I'll give you one more, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It has to be about Him. Moses was called after he had been humbled 40 years, 
on the backside of a desert. David was called when he was in the weakness of his youth, or at least that's when he was anointed. Gideon was called being the least in his father's house. Daniel was at least in his mid-80s when they cast him into the lion's den. Micah was called from a small country to go to the capital cities of Judea and the house of Israel. Amos was called while he was among the herdmen. Jesus called an unlikely group of twelve men. Timothy was called being half Greek. John received the revelation while he was imprisoned. And here we find Abram, he's being called after he's getting up there in years. And I can imagine the naysayers looking at Abram and maybe trying to get to Abram through his wife saying, y'all crazy. That's how we'd say it in Douglas County. Y'all crazy. We wouldn't say it that way in Paulding County, but Adrian's from Douglas County. And you can just imagine people who are telling them, you've lost your mind. What are you doing packing up and moving at your age? But this is how God likes to work. Because now Abram's going to have to rely on God's strength and God's wisdom and not his own strength and not his own wisdom and certainly not the wisdom and strength of other people. And so listen, if you find yourself in this position of weakness, stop thinking that it's an excuse not to serve God and see it as God can now get the glory in your life. Abram departs Haran, and we see in verse 5, Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. Now when it says Abram took Sarai, Lot, and these souls, it does not mean that they were taken by force. They willingly came along. And I think it would be good to pause here and highlight how Sarai willingly follows her husband as he is being led by God. And if you were here in Sunday school, me and Pastor DeGarmo did not compare notes, and we did not say this is what we're talking about. So somebody here must need it twice, brother. Now, I realize everyone doesn't get to enjoy this, but this is how a marriage should be. A husband and wife have been joined together as one, and they should serve the Lord together. God will not fulfill His promise to Abram without Sarah. I mean, she's kind of integral. She's giving birth to Isaac. She's going to continue the line. And so they have to be together on this. And I can remember the days when my wife and I would talk about the what-ifs of if I ever became the pastor here. And and this was back in Mississippi. And I can tell you, she was willing to follow me so long as she knew I was being led by God. And looking back, I am so thankful she never bucked against God's leading in my life, but she was willing to say what Ruth said to Naomi. Naomi. Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. For the Lord do so to me and more also if aught but death part thee and me. 
And I can tell you, I could not have followed God's calling upon my life if I did not have the support of my wife. I don't think I've ever shared the details, and maybe one day I will. Some of you know them. But you've heard me say before, I would not be here if it wasn't for my wife backing God's call in my life. And I'm talking about how she kept me going after I had already been the pastor here for four years. And I was ready to step down. Things had went sideways, and I felt it might be in the best interest of the church to leave. And my wife put on her beloved pastor's hat. You know what I'm talking about? You know she wants to be a preacher real bad. She put on that hat, and she said, oh, no, you don't. God's called you here, and you get back in there. Now listen, guys, it's, it's rough when your wife's got to look at you and say, suck it up, buttercup. That's rough. But she was right, and I did, and I'm, I'm here, obviously. But it's because of a faithful wife who decided she was going to be obedient to God's call upon my life. Did you catch that? If you're married today, then you and your spouse need to be on the same page. Because God has brought you all together for a purpose. And you're going to complement one another if you'll just get in. As you both serve the Lord together, you'll complement each other in your strength and weaknesses. And so Sarah is really a great character study. And she deserves a lot more attention, I think, than maybe we give her. She's right beside her man through it all. I know Abram's the one talked about. But let's not forget, there's a wife here with him. God called out Abram, and as he obeys God's leading, Sarai obeys her husband's leading. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women, the holy women who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, Adrian's not quite there yet. (laughs) Amen. She's never called me Lord. But when she gets her heart right, she will. (laughs) Also notice in verse 5 how Abram took all their substance. In other words, this was not a survey trip into the land of Canaan. This wasn't like, well, let's just go test the waters. They're not leaving anything in Haran in order that they might come back to. They're not leaving the base camp there in case things don't work out. This is a permanent one-way move as far as they're concerned, and they're moving everything by faith. And while Lot is still with them, they're otherwise cutting ties with Mesopotamia. And it's not like they had a moving truck with all this stuff in it and they're going to arrive in Canaan having already coordinated with a realtor and go right up to a house and move into. Right? This is a whole different way of living for them. They're really only taking what's necessary with them. They're exchanging a life of dwelling in established cultural centers of big cities like Ur and Haran, and they're exchanging that for a nomadic life dwelling in tents. 
Hebrews 11.9, By faith He sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, which is tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with Him of the same promise. So I'm just saying, this is a big deal, what is taking place here. At their age, going into the land of Canaan, carrying only what they, they could with no plans to ever return to their homeland. Hebrews 11.15 And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. And, and in a sense, this is what God does with us as well. We are to cut ties with this world. We are to lay up treasure in heaven, not on the earth. We're not to be moved by our geographical desires or material possessions. Amen. Some of you remember a preacher that's been through here. If it ain't Dixie, it won't do. Is that what God said? If we are risen with Christ, we are to seek those things which are above. Colossians 3, 2 and 3, Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And now with Sarai, Lot, and the souls they got in Haran, which is probably a reference to servants, and with all their stuff, we read at the end of verse 5 that Abram follows the leading of God into the land of Canaan. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 9.62, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. As Abram enters the land of Canaan, what is he looking for? Well, let's go to Hebrews 11. I know I've already quoted several passages from here, but let's go there and let's look at some of these. He's now coming into the land of Canaan. He's left Ur. He's now left Haran. And he's got these possessions. What is he looking for? Let's read verses 8 through 10 of Hebrews 11. By faith... Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was in search for a city that had foundations. This is a contrast from verse 9, where they would be dwelling in tabernacles or tents that have no foundation in the land of Canaan. Abraham had an eye upon a city whose builder and maker was God. And then if you'll notice in verse 13... They saw the promises afar off and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And then in verse 14, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. 
Now, wait a minute. Let's slow down and make sure we're getting this. They're looking for a country where in that country there's a city whose builder and maker is God, but at the same time, they're confessing we're just strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Then logically, the city that Abram, Abraham is looking for must not be upon the earth. Are you following my logic? Well, this is proven in verses 15 and 16. Look at what it says. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better, a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. So Abram, he enters into the land of Canaan, and he's looking for a heavenly country, a heavenly city prepared by God. Listen, he knows Canaan is not that city. Canaan is not that country, I should say. And he knows that the city is not going to be in, in Canaan, because as we'll see next week in Genesis 12, 6, the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Canaanite was just as wicked as those in Mesopotamia, if not more so, but that's further down the road in Genesis. But God has a plan for the land of Canaan, as we'll see in verse 7 of Genesis 12 next time. God says, unto thy seed will I give this land. So, if he knew that the city that he desired was not upon this earth, then why was he in search of it? He was looking for it by faith. Or he set his sights upon it by faith. Because following God's plan wasn't always easy for him. It's not always easy. And he's got to keep his eye on something eternal. Well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. And so Abram could keep going by faith because God had something better in store for him. Let me try to draw this together. I'll make an obvious application here. As God calls us out from the world to be a separate people, we are also being called to forsake the things of the world. We're to cut ties from the world. It doesn't mean we won't have possessions. Abram had them. But we are to sell out for God. We are to love the world no longer. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-17, through 17, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so what we see here is there is a contrast between the temporal and the eternal. This world and the things of this world are only temporal. But with God, there is an eternal country and an eternal city. And this is the contrast with the account with Abraham. 
God, He's going to call us in various capacities. Amen? We're going to be called to various places. But what is going to keep us pressing forward by faith? Because it's not always going to be easy. And you're going to be tempted to turn back. And you're going to have hard times. And it's going to be one of those things where you're wondering, is it worth it all? And so what keeps you going when the going gets tough? What keeps you going when you don't know what else to do? Listen, my friends, you got to keep your eye on that heavenly country, that city of God. you got to have a desire that is out of this world. And that will keep you going. We're not to be mindful of the country that God has called us out of. Or else we might have a desire to go back. I've been back there a few times. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What was wrong? Vision problem. Don't be mindful of that country. We need to always keep in mind our citizenship is no longer in this world. And I love America and I pray for America and I want revival for America and I want a good president. I want all those things. You say, boy, you act like we don't have a good president now. You got it. I I want all those things. But listen, this world is not my home. And I need to understand, first of all, that my citizenship now lies in glory. And like Abram, our journey is going to be long. Let me just put it this way. Our journey may be long and it may be difficult at times. Because God's going to call us to go into a country full of Canaanites. In case you haven't noticed, Rapid City isn't God's city upon this earth. And God's going to call us into these places. But don't put down roots on this earth. You know, people are funny, man. If I give enough money, they'll put my name on the side of the hospital wing over there. So what? Hey, come on. So what? Is your name written in glory? Hey, listen, we're just sojourners. You understand? We're really just dwelling in tents in a strange land. And I thank God for my house. But it's just a house. Hebrews 13, 14, For we have here no continuing city, but we seek one to come. What's going to keep you going when the going gets tough? It's when like... Verse 13 here in Hebrew says, when we can see those promises afar off and we are persuaded of them and we embrace them. I'm just passing through. We have to be willing now, let's, let's, in the frame set of Abram, we have to be willing to break ties with our native country. We were all born in sin. We have to be willing to break ties from how we were born Go to Christ to be saved. Some of us will even be called to break away from our kindred and from our Father's house in order that we can follow God to where only He knows what lies before us. We have to do so by faith. By faith. I already gave my testimony a couple weeks ago, I think. I had no idea this is what God had for me back there when I said, okay, Lord, whatever you want. If he would have said, well, you're going to be the pastor of Liberty, I said, I'm out. But God brings us along. And he does so as we follow him by faith. And with the eyes of faith, we keep seeking after a heavenly country while we live in this world below. We keep seeking that eternal rest. We keep laying up treasure in heaven. And we keep seeking after God. Hebrews 12, 22 
But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Hey, is God calling any of you out today? You need to obey and depart in faith. Leave behind your old life. Trust God's leading. Trust God's provision in your life. You remember when Jesus sent out the 12 disciples? He told them to preach. But then in Luke 9.3, He said, Take nothing for your journey. Neither staves nor script, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And then later on, in Luke chapter 22, and in verse 35, Jesus asked them, When I sent you without purse and script, and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said, nothing. Let's remember who we are on this earth as children of God. Let's remember what is truly important. And it's not temporal stuff. It's not even our temporal location. And I thank God I'm in South Dakota. You may not know where you are heading on this earth, but never forget where you'll end up. You may never end up with great possessions on this earth, but never forget what awaits the child of God. James 2.5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He hath promised to them that love Him. It's not about this life below. It's not about what all you can get. I could get a lot more doing something else. But do you love God? And is He worthy of your service? Is He worthy to be followed and to sell out for Him I want to just tell you this morning, you keep following God with an eye toward that heavenly land. Let Him him sort out all the rest. Let's pray.